We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. And welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in with you this evening for another hour. And uh, it's going to be a fun hour. We're going to have interviews. Uh, we're going to have news of the day. But most importantly, your calls and your texts, because that's what At Your Service means. Let's go to the phones. Larry's been holding through the break. Hey, Larry, great to talk to you again, my friend. Good to talk to you. That was a very, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a good synopsis you had on the on the uh, hearings, the nomination. I've watched it for two days. I would say that she's very, she's very evasive. When evasive comes into play, she can be very evasive. You know, I was thinking, when is the last time you can remember a job requirement based on race alone. That was Biden's. I'm not sure it was Biden's. I think it was the, the, whatever that panel of people that's behind him, what, what they, they went their way, whatever. Right. When's the last time you can remember a job where specifically we have to have this person has to be this race to get the job. Can you remember can you remember that ever happening? No, because Larry, if it ever happened in any other context, it would be illegal. If someone did that for any job, for any uh any any job application, you would go to jail for that. Maybe not jail, but you would be sued and have civil damages because it's illegal to do that and yet we're seeing the president do it right in front of our eyes. And and what, what amazes me is uh, the Republicans have not really said a word about it. You know, I would say that the, la the, the last time I've heard of it would be in 1947, Jackie Robinson. He's mm. a black man. Mm -hmm. He's going to be, he's going to get this job because he's going to break the color barrier. That's, that's the only, and I'm not even sure that's a good, a good representation, but moving on. Eric Greitens. Yes. I am a Eric Greitens. I'm a backer. Okay. I know I know he I know he did something wrong and I think he has repented. But we have people that I respect. I respect Josh Holly. I respect Eric Schmidt. I respect Hartzler. They've come out right off the bat and said this guy shouldn't be running for office. Or right off the bat, we have a bad situation with 
the the the, the woman in the county in the the prosecuting Kim Gardner, correct? The FBI agent. You know, I see. I almost it almost reminds me of how they went after Trump. They're going after Greitens in the same way. I don't know if Greitens is a threat. I know someone that knows him pretty well, and from from like when he was a child, third grade or what, he wanted to be the president. That's what he always said. Yep. He wants to be the president. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Well, I did hear. In fact, Larry, when he was governor, he bought a website domain called Greitens for President. Okay. Uh, he so he already had a domain name reserved and purchased uh, for his presidential bid uh, when he was still governor of Missouri. But l- let's get down to it. Uh, the reason okay. why I think most of the Republican establishment is against Eric Greitens, I think it's really comes down to one reason and one reason only, and that's electability. Because if he wins the primary. The, the the because of the baggage that's that is attached to, to Eric Greitens, if he wins the Republican primary, it allows a Democrat challenger a way to attack Greitens and to appeal certainly to suburban women, to moderates, to say they're not going to vote for him in a general primary, and it creates a situation where even though Missouri is a red state, you could literally have an, another Democrat like Claire McCaskill go to Washington, D.C. because of the baggage that Eric Greitens carries. So from at least from the folks that I've talked to, the insiders, uh, folks that I can't name their names because you would absolutely know them, their concern is not so much with the politics of Greitens, but with his electability. Does that make okay. sense? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's It makes perfect sense. On a political sphere, where, how, how do you how do you view Eric Greitens? Well, he's he's a very strong conservative, but where I sometimes have a problem with with uh, Eric Greitens and others is when they when they go into uh, a position that's just um, almost to the level of worshiping Donald Trump. Now, I, I I like Donald Trump, and when he advanced conservative causes, I was his biggest cheerleader. Uh, but if but I, I I more about ideas than a personality. And I've heard Eric Greitens say a lot of things about uh, dropping Trump's name as often as possible, where I'm really about the ideas, not about the personality. Right. I mean, Trump was a leader. He was a leader. I I mean, I I miss him. The guy was he was a leader. He loved his country. I don't know what people are missing. Can we see a difference in 13, 14 months between the presidents? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we, we can. can. And certainly uh, for all, I love it when my liberal friends argue with me about uh, Biden and or with uh, Donald Trump and Putin. All I've, This is what I do. This is what I say to them, Larry, that shuts them up every time without exception. I haven't not once uh, lost an argument when I said this simple phrase. And that is if if Trump was being controlled by Putin, as you suggest, then why didn't he invade Ukraine when his own puppet, as you call him, <laughs> was president? But no, he waited until Biden became president, which completely negates your theory that Putin was basically uh, uh, on the dole Absolutely. for Putin. And that's, and that's irrefutable, Larry. It's irrefutable. So one last question before I go. Kim Gartner, is, is there a possibility that the city of St. Louis can get this woman out of office. It would do so much good for the city of St. Louis to get rid of this woman. 
Well, Larry, I'm going to tell you not only is there a possibility, but there is a probability. And here's oh, why. Here's why. I'm going to say this briefly. Even though I'm coming up on a break here, I'm going to go over a little bit because I want to answer your question. And that's this, that the uh, her hearing before the Missouri Supreme Court will take place on April 11 of this year. And I'm telling you right now, you can flag the tape and write it down. She will be found guilty of professional misconduct. The only question in my mind, Larry, is whether she will, the sentencing will be a probation, a, a suspension of her law license, or a disbarment. And if her license is either suspended or if she's disbarred, under Missouri law, Larry, she is ineligible to be the circuit attorney, and she will be instantly legally removed from office. And not only that, but Governor Parson, under state law, is empowered to appoint her replacement. Wow. Thank you. And I'm telling you that if she will be found guilty, in my opinion, but I don't know at this point what the Missouri Supreme Court will do. If they just place her on probation but leave her law license intact, she will continue to be the circuit attorney. But I tend to think that they that the Supreme Court will either suspend her license or disbar her. And if either of those things happen, Larry, she's instantly no longer the circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis. They should put George Soros in the same pen in the same prison cell yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah, there's you know there's an empty cell over in Illinois where uh, Rob Blagojevich <laughs> was. They could put them both in that cell. There you go. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate your call, my friend. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Hey, coming up after the break, uh, St. Louis University is denying the application of a conservative student group. Is this censorship? We're going to talk to members of that would-be group at St. Louis U, so you're going to want to stick around at your service. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I think every university in America, including my alma mater at St. Louis University, They've just been bending to the wishes of the progressive left by banning conservative speech and religious speech over the past few years. We've seen it. If a if a conservative tries to speak at a university in California, they set police cars on fire. They burn trash cans. They grab their ears like their heads are melting at the mere suggestion of a conservative speaking on campus. But now we're seeing, I think, uh, uh, the latest example of St. Louis University's attempt to silence conservatives. I want to get into that. So joining us this evening are the tentative president and vice president of a, uh, a suggested group at St. Louis U, Young Americans for Freedom, Nick Baker and Carter Fortman. Hey, guys, welcome to KMOX. 
Thank you for having us. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, Carter Fortman, I want to start with you. It was um, it was reported today that St. Louis University has denied recognition to a Young Americans for Freedom chapter on campus. Tell us a little bit about Young Americans for Freedom. Yeah, uh, so Young Americans for Freedom uh, is uh, this organization that was founded in 1960. And uh, I'm a history major, so you know I like to go in the history of it and Around that time, the Republican and Democrat parties were, you know, there there was republic, there was liberals and conservatives, you know, within kind of both parties. Uh, so there needed to be a group that was just for conservatism, that focused on the ideology of conservatism. And so YAF kind of came about and uh, and and made sure that was uh, a thing. And so the the tenets of of YAFs and each YAF chapter that started at universities is ensuring that the increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. Uh, because those are often, you know, the, the tenets that are missed in our current education system when, you know, like 99% of the universities are left-leaning. So we, we really are trying to be a supplement to that to that liberal uh, education that we often see on college campuses. And, we, and when you mentioned Young Americans for Freedom, wasn't it started by William F. Buckley? It was, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, if you know anything about William F. Buckley, he was, he was just a massive, uh, uh, he, he was big on conservative ideology, let's just say. And, you know, he was big on ensuring that the ideals of conservatism were preserved and were passed on to the future generations. And we're trying to keep that same spirit alive with uh, our SLU YAF chapter. So I understand that St. Louis University has denied uh, Young Americans for Freedom from coming on campus and being a recognized student group. What's the basis for SLU's position on this? Yeah, uh, Nick, do you maybe want to take that? I, I feel like you you know a little bit more, a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, basically, in order to start a, a club here at SLU, we need to present to the student government. Um, and so we put together a great presentation um, and had about 10 students who are hopefully going to become members of this organization, if we could, have, could ever get it approved, um, go and sit in front of the panel of the student government leaders um, and unfortunately, though, they ultimately told us and concerns over our inclusiveness and national um, articles written by the national organization, which was really just um, the national YAF exposing the craziness that happens here at this campus. So it's definitely a, a huge disappointment and really not okay. Well, yeah, and you mentioned this denial. Was was this something? Uh, was this something that was voted on, Nick, by the St. Louis University student government? Yeah, it was. So it was a, a unanimous decision, um, but they wouldn't tell us why, aside from like these very vague, um, like saying, "Oh, you already have college Republicans on campus, or you already have political roundtable, which hasn't actually been active in over a year." Um, so they keep on making all these excuses and they make this unanimous vote. But then we come back to them with questions, asking them to really elaborate or explain. And they really just turn us down and they won't respond or engage mm -hmm. in a discussion about it. Well, you know what that sounds like to me? And, and I hope I'm, I'm not carrying this metaphor too, too far here, Nick, 
But it sounds to me like that the St. Louis University is saying, we're already giving you seats in the back of the bus. You don't have to sit in the front of the bus. We've already given you your two seats in the back with college Republicans. Isn't that enough? I mean, is that essentially what St. Louis U is telling you? Yeah, that's basically what's going on here. And, and to me, that's outrageous. And so, and is it, was this a transparent vote? In other words, do you know any of the details about the vote or who voted for what? Or has this been shrouded in secrecy? Yeah, it's been shrouded in complete secrecy. So all that we know, um, I was able to, to ask the, the vice president of student organizations was trying to get some more information about it. Um, all she would tell me is that it was unanimous and closed anonymous votes. Um, which is very concerning because anything and like when students put themselves in positions of leadership, they should be able to own up to their decisions and not have to like cower away in the corner and uh, just like stay away from answering questions. Yeah, exactly. And and Nick, your your signal's coming in and out a little bit there. We're talking to Nick Baker and Carter Fortman. Uh, they were going to be the officers of Young Americans for Freedom until St. Louis University, my alma mater. Listen, I graduated from SLU Law. I loved St. Louis University, uh, and it, it breaks my heart to see St. Louis University going against the ideals that I was taught in their very law school about freedom of speech, the, the freedom of thought, the benefit from expression, the benefit from even having conversations over differing opinions, and all of that seems to be uh, now being uh, risked or jeopardized on the campus of the university that I truly loved, and it, and it breaks my heart. Uh, Carter Fortman, have you seen a trend at St. Louis University related to censoring the free speech rights of conservatives or even, ironically, Christians, given that it's a Catholic university? Yeah, I mean, uh, in in classes, you're definitely not not taught any uh, worldview outside of the the leftist worldview. Let's just say, um, you're taught that to be a conservative is uh, hate speech, essentially. Uh, and I mean, this is a Catholic university, and so I think a lot of students come here. Uh, I went to, to Slu High, so you know, I, I got a little bit of experience with Jesuit education, and so I, I came to, to St. Louis University, sort of expecting a basis in Catholicism for a lot of my classes. And, you know, that I didn't really get that uh, a, a whole lot. And I think a lot of that's just due to censoring uh, a lot of the the most, the more conservative parts of, of, of Catholicism and of Christianity. Uh, you, you definitely see um, a lot of people on campus talking about social justice, and they often try and manipulate Christianity to, to fit their narratives. But then they ignore a lot of Christianity uh, that is, you know, more pious and and more conservative and stuff, stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, agree with them, and uh, and and that's what's a little bit most disheartening to me is because they they go from a stance that this is you know Christianity, this is Catholicism, and that we're in the wrong, mm-hmm. but in actuality uh, we are trying to live by you know the whole of Christianity, the whole of of of. Catholicism and, and Christianity. Meanwhile, you don't really get the, 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 the more pious and more conservative perspectives of Christianity. And uh, you definitely don't get any uh, viewpoints of conservatism 
uh, on this campus at all. We're, we're and, talking uh, to we're talking to Nick Baker and Carter Fortman. Both both of these gentlemen were going to be officers with the Young Americans for Freedom, but St. Louis University has decided to deny that organization's right to exist on campus. Uh, Nick Baker, I want to turn to you here for a moment because, as Carter just suggested a moment ago, uh, a lot of times conservatives are are squelched and censored under this idea, the alleged banner of protecting students from radical speech. But uh, in, in my research today, didn't St. Louis U actually promote recently a presentation entitled, and I'm quoting, Exploring Superpowers Through Transgender Identity and Faith, unquote. Exactly, yeah. So that will be taking place on campus next week um, where the, the Center for what is it, the, the Center for Social Justice will be hosting this um, sex-positive, kinky, queer pastor for um, a panel. So it really is really just very crazy. And, like, this is a Catholic Jesuit university. They tell us that they're denying us on the grounds that we don't align with their faith, even though I myself am a Catholic, as are many of our members. But then they, they go turn around and invite this very odd person hmm. to come spread their expertise. So let me just make sure that I've got this right. If you want to talk on campus and have an organization that's devoted to limited government, to exercising our rights under the Constitution, to promoting the idea of lower taxation as a way of actually uh, uh, lifting all boats and growing the economy in a way that's fair to all income levels and maintaining a strong national defense, that's speech that should be banned because it could harm someone, yet we're going to promote the exploring superpowers through transgender identity and hosting a sex-positive kinky pastor. Is that what I'm hearing? I think we've lost Nick Carter. What are your thoughts? Is yeah. that is? It, do you see the disparity that I'm outlining there? Doesn't that seem completely backwards? Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, me and Nick have, have you know pondered all about this, and and what we've you know come to the conclusion is you know we, at this point we'll take anything. Well, you know we we're fine with them you know having their whatever point of views they have, but you know that's that's why it's so disheartening when they don't even let conservatives have an opinion is because you know they have an opinion it's very loud uh, but we're not even allowed to have our our measly club meetings we're not even able to have just a single yath chapter you know just asking for two clubs is uh is is asking too much from the conservative point of view wow that's just completely backwards uh, and, and i remember i wasn't alive then but when i was in law school i studied the idea that in schools creationism used to be the only thing that's taught and the evolutionists always would promote the argument, again, way before my time, but I studied in law school. But the evolutionists would promote that we should have a balanced point of view. There shouldn't be simply one view expressed in our schools. And that was how yep. evolution started to be taught in schools. And yet now that the shoe's on the other foot, all we're hearing is progressivism, 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 and we can't even allow a hint of conservatism to be brought in to the uh, into the idea marketplace. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, Nick Baker and Carter Fortman, I'm going to be following uh, how this progresses. I'm hoping that there's some sort of a of a review process. But I thank you guys for joining us this evening on Camo X. Yep, yeah, thank, thank you so you much for having us. us.
Oh, it's great to talk to you both. Phone lines are open. What do you think about that? That that the university is essentially saying you've got one conservative group. That's enough. We don't need too much conservatism going on around here. Yet how many progressive, left-wing, wacky, uh, and some other words come to mind that don't pass uh, FCC muster, but those, all of those groups are fine, but we can just have one conservative group on campus. Is that fair? Is that content-based discrimination? And is that the way American colleges are supposed to be when they're supposed to be a marketplace of ideas? What are your thoughts? 314-436-7900. Call or text. I would like to hear from you. At your service, X. We'll be right back. Well, the text line's lighting up. Thank you, folks. Uh, 314-436-7900. One, I got to tell you, Mary Lynn, you made me laugh. Uh, She said, Mary Lynn texted in and said, when you make your alumni donation, paperclip a note to a $1 bill and have the note say, quote, this is to help St. Louis University get its head out of its blank, unquote. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that would really change minds. Uh, But I got a text from someone else who said, and I, I don't understand this. Uh, the, the the text says, personally, I'd much rather listen to a kinky queer pastor than Nick Baker, pasty blank. Title IX violators should hold no positions of power. Well, it seems to me I don't understand how conservatives are being lumped in with a Title IX violator. In fact, I would suggest that the Title IX violators right now are the progressives in this country who are allowing men to participate in women's sports. Now, my daughter was a recipient of Title IX benefits. She received a four-year full-ride scholarship for rowing at the University of Kansas. She was recruited by Ohio State, by Michigan, by Michigan State, and by Boston College. And yet she wanted to go to University of Kansas. Okay, that's fine. They got a great basketball team, and I got four years of free education for my daughter. But my point is, on the women's team, they don't allow men on the team. And if you allowed a man to be rowing in the boat, and the only difference between the two is that the man is wearing a wig, uh, at that point, is it really celebrating the point and the purpose of Title IX? Or is it making a mockery of Title IX? Absolutely, it's a mockery of Title IX. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of time left in the show, so I want to leave some time here to get back to uh, the analysis of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Because, and I'm going to mix these up in the order of this, Matt, because we're just talking about this issue of gender. And this shows the absurdity of the progressive left today. Uh, This is a question by Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. It's a very simple question. And here's what she asked Judge Jackson during the confirmation hearings. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, Not. In okay. this context, so I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? 
Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Now, here's why that's so absurd. Number one, the Judge Jackson couldn't even say what a woman is. Now, here's a very simple definition. A woman is a person with two X chromosomes. How about that? A man is a person with an X and Y chromosome. That would be a very simple answer. But Judge Jackson couldn't say that. Why? Because the progressive left today can't even tell you what a woman is. So when I received a text calling Nick Baker and the Young Americans for Freedom Title IX violators, who is the Title IX violator when you have the progressive left today can't even define what a woman is? How can you enforce and apply Title IX if you can't even define a woman? What is the definition of a woman? Can't define it. Can't define it. It's ludicrous. It's outrageous. And yet here's what's even more outrageous when it comes to Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. She may be, I don't know, I'm not, I don't, I haven't given her any IQ tests, but it's very possible that when she gets, and she will be approved to the Supreme Court, when she's on the Supreme Court, she might be the smartest jurist on the Supreme Court. But according to Biden, he was he vowed he would only consider black women to be nominated to the Supreme Court. So how is it that Judge Jackson can't define what a woman is, but she was more than happy to self-identify as a woman in order to be considered for the position that President Biden limited to women? Can President Biden define what a woman is? He's the one who said, I will only consider a black woman. But if Biden can't define what a woman is, then could you have a dude in a dress say, I want to be on the Supreme Court? I, if you can't define what it is, then how can you determine who is within and who is without of the definition that you have created? That's what I want to know. And that's what the progressive left can't seem to define. How simple a question. What is a woman? And if to me, it seems that if Judge Jackson cannot define what that is, then how can she accept a job that is limited to a type of human that she cannot define? That's what I want to know. It seems almost as if she has self-excluded herself from consideration for the Supreme Court because she can't determine whether she is or is not a woman. Hey, the more to come. I know we've got some more texts. We've got some calls coming in. We'll be back after this on At Your Service, KMOX. Well, let's jump right back into the uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson analysis here for our last segment. Uh, one of the things that I... Uh, and I've been critical about Josh Hawley for a lot of things uh, while he's been in the Senate. But one of the things that I was very proud to have him on television in the hearings questioning Judge Jackson the way he did. I thought he did a fabulous, fabulous.
fabulous job. And here's why. He wasn't emotional. He wasn't grandstanding. He wasn't putting up silly pictures to get a gotcha moment. He was legitimately wanting to have a discussion with Judge Jackson about her philosophy. And he questioned Jackson very closely on her record on sex offenders. And he gave multiple examples, multiple examples of how in situations involving uh, child pornography, that the sentencing guidelines were between 100 and 120 months of being in prison. That's the federal sentencing guidelines. And Judge Jackson would routinely sentence people to five or 10 months in prison for crimes involving sexual pornography with regards to children, child pornography. And with regard to that, he pointed out that it's been a, throughout her career as a judge, it's not just been one or two, but it's a consistent tendency for her to release people on child pornography far below what the sentencing guidelines are, and that's published by the United States Congress. And so when he pointed those things out to her, she really had no explanation. She could not explain conceptually why she was consistently lenient on people convicted of child pornography. And so crime is a legitimate issue for her, particularly when she says that she's going to take critical race theory into consideration as a judge for sentencing guidelines. And I've already pointed out in this show why that's a bad idea. Justice should be blind without giving preference to those who are white and not giving preference to those who are black and not giving preference to anyone based upon their race. Justice is and should be blind. And you don't fix that problem, whatever problem that does exist, you don't fix a problem with discrimination by having more discrimination. That is not the answer. So Tom Cotton also was questioning Judge Jackson on her positions on crime and her leniency when it comes to sentencing as a judge. And here is just a little bit of that exchange between Senator Tom Cotton and Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. Written about that in your writings, there's four purposes of punishment. One of those is deterrence. It, isn't it inherent in the concept of deterrence that people are less likely to commit crime if they're more likely to get caught, convicted, and sentenced? Why can't you just say it, it, that's the case? Senator, it's not that I'm avoiding saying that's the case. No, that's that a, a, Judge, that's exactly what you're doing. I, I'm asking a very simple question. In general, is someone more likely or less likely to commit a crime if they know they're going to be caught, convicted, and sentenced? It's very it's the heart of it's, it's, it's very difficult to answer questions in general when you're asking about things like phenomena related to crime. It's the theory behind deterrence that by punishing someone, they will be less likely to commit the crime in the future. That is a theory that undergirds. Do you think that theory is correct? Senator, there is research that supports that deterrence is something that can occur. Does it occur in every case? I can't say that. Well, and and that exchange was fascinating because – to me, the point of these nomination hearings isn't to get people to say how they're going to rule on certain cases. 
That's always been a problem at Supreme Court nomination hearings, and I don't believe that they should be asked. So if Judge Jackson were asked, how would you rule on uh, the uh, Obamacare? How would you rule on the constitutionality of abortion? I don't think justice or judges should ever give those opinions in a nomination hearing. But that's not what the Republicans were doing this time. They were getting to the heart of what is your judicial philosophy. And, folks, that is open open season. That's exactly what these hearings should be doing, which is getting to the heart of your philosophy, not asking you to prejudge cases, but talking about your philosophy. And Judge Jackson has a philosophy of leniency on crime. And you heard when Tom Cotton asked her, should deterrence, should that conceptually, should that be a method by which we deter people from committing crime, by the assuredness of going to prison, is that a deterrence to crime? And she wouldn't even answer. The closest that she got to that was to say, well, the, the theory goes that, that punishing people for crime might be a, a deterrence, but she never gave her opinion on it. She never said, yes, I believe that incarcerating criminals for violating the law is a deterrence for additional criminal activity, both for that defendant and for all other would-be defendants who are considering the commission of a crime. That should have been her answer. It could have been answered in 25 seconds, but she chose not to even answer her judicial philosophy. Now, contrast that with what happened when Amy Coney Barrett was in her nomination hearings, when Brett Kavanaugh was in his nomination hearings. It was all about slamming them personally. It was all about dragging them through the dirt. And it was all about questioning their character. Folks, that was wrong then. But that's not happening now. You're not seeing that happening. What you're seeing is the Republicans legitimately trying to determine her judicial philosophy, and she's refusing to answer. The Republicans aren't bringing forth people from Judge Jackson's high school that said that, you know, they were molested by her in high school, which probably didn't happen. And if it did, it was in high school. And has nothing to do with judicial philosophy. So I was very upset with the treatment of the Republican nominees to the Supreme Court. And now that we have a Democrat nominee, there's legitimate questioning and the Democrats are protecting her. So let me just recap here. Judge Jackson does not know what a woman is. She proudly sits on the board of a school that pushes critical race theory on young children and has an appalling history of leniency towards child sex offenders. That's the way I see it. And the Democrats are up for re-election and they're running on using her as a poster child? My goodness, on those three positions alone, voters should be running away from Democrats as fast as they possibly can. Brad Young at your service tonight on CamoX. Dave Glover coming up in just 10 minutes on CamoX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.